Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by... Well, Raymond, I'll tell you what I wish it was sponsored by. I wish it was sponsored by NyQuil because I've been sick as a, do- I've been sick as a dog for three straight days. We'll have to reach out to them. <laughs> see if see if they can hook it up. Seriously. See, see if they can get us some Dayquil, too. Right? We, we, we went from telling you guys on last week's episode, hey, we're going to be, we'll probably be a little bit early to being a day late. <laughs> That's, we went from being early to now late. We apologize, but thanks for the patience, all of you Gold Cast Nation. I'm still a little under the weather. I actually am I'm still... Uh, feeling pretty sick, but the show must go on. But yes, the show must go on. We have an undefeated season that we are still defending, Raymond, and the Goldcast must go on. So you're lucky, Goldcast Nation, because you're about to get two back-to-back Goldcast episodes. Boom! We are not slowing down in any way, shape, or form. We are back. And before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know, where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com at The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast. And don't forget to subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. That way you get notified when we go live with our new episodes, which will be looking at three this week, uh, according to my count. So, And make sure to comment. Leave a comment if you have some thoughts with us. We've been talking a lot with the crew on YouTube. That seems to be the most active crew, but we also get feedback on Instagram and Twitter as well. So pick your preferred platform and reach out because we like to hear from you. That's right. And then Raymond, where can they find you? I can be found on Twitter at Ray Solis and Instagram at Ray Solis one. And I can be found on Instagram at Rudy Solis three. And then on Twitter at Rudy Solis three R D Rudy Solis third. All right, here we go. We're going to do, this is going to be a huge episode. We're unpacking a lot. We had a large Monday game. It was fantastic. I'm sorry, Thursday night game against the Cardinals. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about where the NFC West standings are after all the games from this week. And then we're going to talk about the greater NFC West, I mean, NFC conference in general. So we are literally just going to jam pack this episode because we haven't seen you since Thursday and we miss you. The greatest fanalist in the game, he is in the building. Me, your professor of fanalism, has also arrived. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Cease III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom. Raymond, I went through my classic spiel that the Arizona Cardinals presented a classic trap game scenario. And boy, did they come close. They sure made a game out of it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and I think the fact that it was a Thursday quick turnaround, I mean, the offense looked great. At least half the offense looked great, but the, the defense just really looked sluggish. They got punched in the mouth again in the first quarter via the running game. And this has been a trending pattern that Robert Sala really kind of has to nip in the bud. I think you can use a partial excuse, excuse of the short turnaround week from Sunday to Thursday. The lack of reps, the 
lack of rest uh, really took a toll and we saw that and we ended up losing our inside linebacker as a result or at least partially as a result of that. Uh, Quan Alexander's gone for the year, which is super unfortunate because he was our best player and a free agent acquisition that we gave a lot of money to and now he's going to miss the last eight games of the season and whatever we managed to qualify for playoff-wise, assuming that we do. But uh, yeah, the, the defense was sluggish and I would like to, I definitely want to see some adjustments being made so that we can get back to stopping the run the way we have been for majority of the season. But clearly people have been doing, playing copycat from what Sean McVay was able to do with eight straight running plays or seven straight running plays in that, uh, that uh, Rams division matchup. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that I have a, I have a unique, a, a slightly different perspective to, to comment on that. The one thing I noticed fantasy-wise, and this is when it started to be, I noticed it became a trend for me, is I remember during the, the Panthers game, the Carolina game, I had Christian McCaffrey, and I decided I was going to start him anyways, because I remember saying to our father, Rudy Solis Jr., the, the unofficial third member of the, of the Gold Cast, I remember telling to him, you know, I'm going to start Christian McCaffrey anyways, even though the Niners have a really tough defense, because I feel like pretty much any RB1 that's really good, and every time they go up against the Niners, they're still good for about 85 yards and at least one touchdown. And when I said that, that was the moment I thought, hmm, Niners really got to do something about this run. <laughs> the, the the run game, teams are able to run on us uh, fairly efficiently. I mean, it, it's, it's a bend-don't-break scenario, but... But there's been a little bit more breaking as the season has gone on, right? There, there, you know, no, no defense is perfect, and this defense is phenomenal. They have protected the lead for eight straight weeks, but obviously, this is the NFL, and teams will begin to expose you. They will find holes in the system and the run game. Uh, our ability to stop the run is is not as efficient as it could be. Would you say that? Yeah, I think, I mean, part, maybe part of it is because we're playing the wide nine, we're only pass rushing four, so there's a little bit more susceptibility in the gaps, and, but I mean, that's what the uh, that's what our linebackers are there for, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, uh, they're supposed to, you know, take on that, I, I think we signed uh, Lee, who's got promoted, I know Nazacha is also there too, but he mostly plays special teams, and Quan Alexander was a huge staple in plugging those holes during a lot of those uh, running schemes. But, um, but yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. But I think, uh, I also think there needs, needs to be in some adjustment. You know, I think we're, we've, 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 something's changed. This is all, I've only seen this in the f- first, the Kenyon Drake was the one who probably had the most success. Everyone else has kind of had garbage time. Christian McCaffrey had one big play against us. And then, he had like another play late in the game that really had no significance at that point because they had, they were already getting blown out and by in the 30s or 40s at that point in the game. I mean, fantasy wise, it was great. I think Chris McCaffrey, you just start him no matter who's playing. It just doesn't matter. But as far as the Niners are concerned, something's happening in the first quarter where we're getting exploited, and the Rams were only able to do that in the first quarter. The Carolina had you know, a couple of explosive plays. One was in garbage time. One was earlier in the game in the first half. And then the same thing for the Cardinals. Uh, They had a lot of explosive plays 
Um, they had six plays for what uh, they took up two and a half minutes of time, went 56 yards, and it was all set up by Kenyon Drake's huge explosive play uh, from scrimmage. And so something needs to change within that first possession where we kind of really set the tone defensively, especially if we're going to do what Kyle Shanahan clearly likes to opt to do every single time, which is to defer if he wins the toss, assuming he wins the toss. And even if he doesn't win the toss, it can happen. But for the most part, if he wins the toss, he is deferring to kick off because he likes the ball in the second half. So I think with that, that puts the onus for the defense to really kind of establish and set the tone. But lately, it's been the other team that set the tone. Arizona scored on us first. The Rams scored on us first. You know, the these these kinds of early early plays, I think, really need to – I need to see some changes in that. I'm not sure exactly what that looks – how that's going to look. You know, I just know that stuff like that needs to change. It, it didn't happen against Carolina. That was a different a different story, even though they were coming in hot that week. We just were ready to go. But I think with all the rest, all the preparation, all the reps – now we really have an opportunity here to set the tone against a very, very crucial opponent coming up on Sunday. So I'd really like, I'm really hoping that that changes because the last few weeks we've seen this trending, right? In the first quarter, in, in the first quarter, particularly. Yeah, it, it definitely, we see it trending in the, in the first quarter. We see the the 49ers start to get a, a, a grip on the game in the second. And then the third quarter, we really clamp down. It actually reminds me now that I say it out loud, it reminds me of what the Warriors did for their entire five-year run. <laughs> first quarter, they're a little, they always come out a little cold. Second quarter that, you know, they make a game of it. And the third quarter, they, they take out that team. And then the fourth it's done, you know, that's kind of almost identical to what the Warriors were doing there, even though it's a completely different sport. Some, same concept. I think the reason you're so concerned, I think the reason that you want to see that kind of change is because we are going into what I've been calling our playoff dress rehearsal. Guess what? Goldcast nation. Guess what? 49 and faithful. Our playoff dress rehearsal begins this next Monday. Next Monday, one week from yesterday, our playoff dress rehearsal begins. You could argue that maybe Carolina's going to be in there, so maybe it was the start of it right there. But I'll tell you who we can probably say with confidence, barring some unforeseen disaster, the Seahawks are going to be in there, the Packers are going to be in there, and the Saints are going to be in there. And all three of those teams will be waiting for us in the postseason. So those three teams who are we are we are for sure playing in the next in the next several weeks here. This is our playoff dress rehearsal. It couldn't come at a better time. And I think the reason you're concerned, Raymond, the reason you're voicing this concern is a valid one because team, the Seattle's of the world, the Green Bay's of the world, and the Saints, the New Orleans of the world, they will not hesitate they will not stop you cannot give them any door if there is an opening in that door they will bust that door down and this this time more than ever it is important to correct those things because you're gonna have to play four great quarters of football to get past all three of those teams yes and the first big big hurdle because now we're at the halfway point we've played eight games we've answered every single bell that has been rung in all eight of these games and we have zero losses to show for it and the second arguably the second or first best depending on the category defense in the nfl actually new england kind of took a step back because they got exploited 
and they got beat pretty bad by Baltimore, who's also on our schedule coming down the road too. So, but this is this is going to be a really good barometer coming up on Sunday, which we'll obviously get into more in depth um, tomorrow. But I think going forward into this game, a lot of people had been criticizing Jimmy Garoppolo because he really hadn't shown us any kind of, again, in my opinion, a quarterback doesn't need 300 yards and three touchdowns in order to be considered good. That is typically what is considered a good game for a quarterback numbers-wise. But as far as effectiveness goes and efficiency goes, Jimmy G has answered all of those all of those tasks that have been placed in front of him this season, he's answered all of those beautifully. And that is why, and on the money downs, the third down, there is no quarterback better than Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFL in passing situations. We've already voiced that numerous times this year. He's been a top three for the first half of this half a season. And now in this latter half, and the last like four games, he's jumped up into first place. And now he is the best. And in this last game, Cardinals are the first team this season to really kind of what I saw was them stacking the box and really saying like, all right, nobody has really stacked the box because everyone's been respecting Jimmy Garoppolo and rightfully so, because if you don't respect Jimmy Garoppolo, you get exactly what happened this past Thursday. against. Oh, yeah, baby. You get a 28 for 37, 317 yards passing, four touchdowns, zero picks. You get... You get lit up in the air by a quarterback who can throw just like the best of them. He just doesn't have to because when we have a balanced offensive attack the way we do and the way Kyle Shanahan does and we're rushing for nearly 200 yards a game, you don't necessarily have to pass for 300 yards a game. You don't have to have, excuse me, you don't have to have 37 passing attempts, which is what we had uh, this past Thursday. But Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo said, all right. You guys want to try to stack the box and really force us to pass and try to eliminate the run game, which they did a pretty good job. They slowed it down. You know, the the the, the Kevin Coleman got, you know, they they saw the 50 burger we put up last week against the Tevin Coleman show last week. So they clearly focused on eliminating Tevin Coleman to which they did. 12 rushes, 23 yards, 1.9 average. He was stuffed. Matt Breed, on the other hand, nursing a bad ankle. This it's just so odd when it comes to fantasy because you never know what you're going to get. Matt Breida, coming off of an injury into that game, had 15 carries, 78 yards. He had one large play for 31 yards and ended up with a 5.2 average. He actually is the one that ended up with the better day of the two players. And they had, we we got over 100 yards rushing. It just wasn't 200 yards rushing like it was the previous week against Carolina, but. The fact that it was limited as far as our standards this season goes meant that we did have to pass the ball a lot more. And what we got out of that was a freaking light show from Jimmy Garoppolo, who was just throwing darts. I mean, the the one throw, uh, Emmanuel Sanders had his breakout game. I know he had the one touchdown catch last week, but this game, he was all over the place. He led the team in receptions. He led the team in yards. He led the team in targets. He had a touchdown to go along with George Kittle's touchdown, Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne's contribution. So the ball was being spread around beautifully, but no one was really kind of the only, the two players that were really torching this Cardinal secondary was Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle. They were just lighting it up. And Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo was just, he was so efficient. It was amazing. 
I, I couldn't have been happier because I knew that, that I was like, you know, this is if the critics wanted something, th- this is what they got. You know, our third down efficiency was 11 for 17 at a 65 percent clip. That is we we're, we're, we get over 50 percent of our third down conversions this season. And that's 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 every conversion. That's not including the passing conversions are well over 50 percent for Jimmy Garoppolo which is why he's number one now, because more than half the time he is converting them when he has to throw. And then the other half of the time we're converting them on the ground with the short, short gains. So let's talk about this. Let's, let's break this down for the people. I want the people to listen. I want y'all to, to sit around, sit down, classes in session. Everybody sit down. All right, everyone have a seat because the greatest fans in the game just dropped some knowledge. And now your professor of fanism is going to take you back. I'm going to take you back eight weeks ago. Raymond remembers eight weeks ago when I said, during preseason, I said, you know, Jimmy G, what everyone's need to relax. Everyone's got a little worried during preseason. Remember, Raymond, I said during preseason, I remember class was in session. It was a sunny day. Someone, one of our favorites, I'm not sure who it was. One, one of our, maybe it was Irish Niner fan. Maybe it was Andy Laird. Who knows who it was? Somebody brought a little apple. They put it on my desk and had a little S and a F in it. And I said, class, let me explain something to you. Let me explain what's going to happen this season. Everyone's worried about Jimmy G. All, all the students, right? We're worried about Jimmy G. And I said, Jimmy G, you know, first couple weeks, maybe weeks one through three, it's gonna, we're going to see him kind of get his feet back underneath him, slowly but surely. And I said, but then he's going to really start to click in weeks four, five, six. I go, and by midseason, what did I say, Ray? I said, Jimmy G is going to ball. I said that right on this gold cast. Pull up the preseason episodes. Hey, 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 can we get our producer... Oh, oh, we don't have a producer. It's just me and Ray. Never mind. We're not pulling it up. That takes too much work. But if you guys pull it up, you will find, <laughs> you will find that the, me talking about the fact that Jimmy G was going to get a legs, his legs underneath him. And remember, I remember after week, it was week two, three, I think. I said week three. I was like, he's like two weeks ahead of schedule. I expected him to look like this at, at week three. I mean, week five. And now, but right on time, right exactly where I said he was going to be, you you were saying it, it was like, you know, we're not quite there. We're not at the 300 yards, two to three touchdown passes yet, but it's coming. And boom, right on time, exactly how I said during preseason, week eight, it's literally, you know what I realized? Jimmy Garoppolo, Raymond, he turned into Jimmy Gucci. He turned into Gucci gang. He turned into Jimmy porn star. He turned into my favorite name. I like to call him Jimmy Garapolo. Hey, it's Jimmy Garapolo. <laughs> San Francisco's greatest mobster, Jimmy Garapolo. And that's how too. He the wasn't God, even Jimmy the, Garoppolo. The, the Godfather accent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was Jimmy Garapolo. We, we need we need four four touchdowns, three hundred yards. Jimmy Garapolo. He became Jimmy Garapolo right there. You know what I thought? It also might have been his costume that night. It might have been Michael Myers because you couldn't kill him. He was on a stoppable killing machine right on time, right when I said he would, at the week I said he would, boom. Now Jimmy G's here. There's the arrival. You said they stacked the box. And you go, oh, you want to stack the box? Well, let me show you. And I'll tell you the big difference, Raymond. The big difference, it wasn't just that he got his feet underneath him. It's the fact that he's got Emmanuel Sanders now. And he completely opens up the entire passing game. He's a beast. 
He's a beast. And that that acquisition alone, coupled with Jimmy G finally getting his feet completely back underneath him, finally getting confident, really settling into this offense, really controlling it. And now the quarterback that we traded for, the quarterback that we got, the quarterback we were promised has arrived. He arrived in week eight, ready to go, ready to deliver the pain. And he did. He went through Haddonfield. I'm sorry, Arizona, because I think Arizona was Haddonfield on Thursday and murdered every single person in the city. And left nothing but dead bodies in their wake. And even though Arizona played a great game, as we know, defenses have a hard time with that Thursday turnaround. That's statistically proven across the board. Jimmy G put us in position to win. He put the team on his back and he made it happen. And the addition of Emmanuel Sanders really opened that game. Seven receptions, 112 yards, one touchdown. I mean, my goodness. He was seven for nine, 112 yards. Guy just it he really opened it up and of course Kittle Kittle comes flying on his heels Debo Samuel once again slowly but surely proving his worth as a rookie and and then and then a lot you know obviously you've got Matt Breida Tevin Coleman Kedrick Bourne Dante Pettis Jeff Wilson you know Ross Dwelly a lot lot of other contributors but those are yeah the the, the corner touchdown throw to Dante Pettis oh, how about that oh. throw Jimmy Garoppolo the pocket was collapsing in his face, and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even flinch. He just stood there and focused on the throw and just threw a dart to Dante Pettis. And it was an amazing throw. That was one of the most impressive throws that night. I think the other one was the early throw to Emmanuel Sanders to the sideline on the crossing route when he went out of bounds, where Emmanuel Sanders turns, and the ball is nearly several feet you know, is, is away from him, already in the air. The cornerback doesn't doesn't see it coming because it's it's already been thrown in the air, and by the time he turns around, he just threaded him perfectly as he went to the sideline. Beautiful throw, beautiful catch. Jimmy Jimmy G was so on point on Thursday. He was, and as I said, he is right on time. He is here. This was the Jimmy G we were going to get. And see, here's the thing. So, the first seven weeks, we see the defense really show its dominance. The run game really established itself. The 49ers go out in week seven or at the end of week six. They nab Emmanuel Sanders to help with the passing game. And now in week eight, it really manifests itself. Emmanuel Sanders has shown what an instant difference maker he can be on this team. And now Jimmy G's arrived. So now the next evolution of this 49ers team has begun right in front of us it's like just when you thought you knew everything you had to know to defeat this team they evolve again and Jimmy G who we were hearing that right the last couple weeks every analyst kept saying well you know I just want to know can this quarterback put it on his back and make it happen can Jimmy G make it happen if he's got to is is Jimmy G is he going to be able to to carry this team when the when the when the offense and the defense aren't there to save him well, you got your answer. I don't want to hear, well, it's Arizona or yada, yada, yada. This is division. And let me remind everybody when they talk about, when anyone wants to t- talk to you, I love giving I love giving our audience this kind of advice, Raymond. I love giving our audience advice when people talk crap to them about our team. If anyone gives you crap about the Cardinals, well, here's the first thing I said. Here's the first thing I say to Rams fans, because I had some Rams fans do it, obviously, being here in L.A. I, so, Raymond, this is my favorite. I, if you go onto my Twitter, I, I said this to Louie. Louie, our, our L.A. Rams fan. He was like, uh, he said something about how everyone feels when George Kittle was cheering out. Everyone who's not a Niners fan. 
after they barely beat the Cardinals. He made some crack about us barely beating the Cardinals. I said, well, first of all, that must make you LA, fan, LA Rams fans feel even worse that the Cardinals put up a better game than you. How You guys should be ashamed of yourselves that the Cardinals put up a better game against us than the LA Rams. You should be ashamed of yourselves. That's the first one. The second one, the second one I'd like to point out is uh, several years back before we had before we had Jimmy G, when the 49ers went 2-14 and 14 and the only team we beat, the only team we beat was the LA Rams. The only team that we actually defeated was the LA Rams. That, that happens. This is division. Division is always tough. It doesn't matter if that team is in last place and you're in first place. When those two teams get into the same arena, the, that horrible last place t- team in your division will play you like it's the playoffs. And it's just because they're used to you. They see you every single year. Division is always tough. You go back to the Harbaugh days, who always gave us trouble. It was the it was the um, the St. Louis Rams. St. Louis Rams were always giving us trouble, always, always just causing hell on our field because division is always tough. So I don't want to hear this whole thing about oh well the Cardinals are so weak blah 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 blah. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything when it comes to division. How many times have we seen the Miami Dolphins, that crappy ass team, embarrass the the New England Patriots at least one game a year for the last several years? Division is always tough. So regardless. Heads up to Arizona. They played a great game, but clearly... And, and Arizona's not a slouch. I mean, that's... In, in another division, they're probably vying for the second or, you know, second or first place. Or, Kyler Murray's pretty know, or, good. Or, or, Their coach is pretty yeah, good. Yeah, they're, they're three, they're three, five, and one. You know, they're three, five, and one. That's That's not the case in... That's not Cleveland. That's not Miami. That's not Cincinnati. That's not some of the bad teams out there, New York Giants. That Cleveland is better than those four teams I just named off, and that's just off the top of my head. There are some bad teams in this league. Those are, I think, among the worst. Tampa Bay at least you know, can shoot out with somebody before giving it up because they, they have no defense. They're, they're the same team they were last year. Great offense, great you know, with a, a, an average defense. Oh, well, their defense is really good against the run, but they're terrible against the pass. And... Jameis Winston gives up the football more than any of the quarterback. But sorry, this isn't this isn't the uh, the Bucks cast. You got to go to uh, Tampa Bay, a different different channel for the Bucks cast. <laughs> but for here, the the Orange cast. I don't know what you would call that one. <laughs> the um, but for for our team, it's it's you know the every team is good in this league. Or you know, in the Cardinals' case, you know they're on the rise. In the Rams' case, they're kind of hanging in there after a couple of seasons, back-to-back seasons of, you know, pure dominance. And Niners are on the rise, but they're on the rise in dramatic fashion after having back-to-back seasons of really, really struggling. And the Cardinals, hey, the Cardinals, before they run into they, before they ran into division problems, they had won three in a row and were three and three and one running, going up against Seattle. They had a chance to go five and three in a two-game division stretch, but that just shows you how tough this division is. Seattle handed them one, and we handed them another. You know, at least through the air. Defensively, they were, I mean, offensively, they were able to put up a fight. Although, Kyler Murray, he got he got a garbage. Emmanuel Sanders went for the big play pick and missed it by inches and ended up giving that 
what was it like an 80 or 88 yard touchdown run that was really the bulk of where you know if you were a fantasy fan you got garbage a garbage time touchdown right there that uh you said emmanuel sanders that, i'm sorry emmanuel mosley emmanuel mosley okay, went for yeah, the yeah, yeah. for the big the big pick against their rookie i forget uh that player's name it's escaping me it was the uh Andy Andy Isabel, who's also a first year rookie for the Cardinals, but he had the eighty eight yard touch. It was it was the, he was only targeted once. That was his only catch, and that was his only score. And it happened to be the biggest play of the night for their offense. But so those of you in fantasy who had Kyler Murray, that was really the play that kind of saved his evening as far as number scoring points was concerned. But anyways, this isn't the uh, the gold fantasy cast. You're gonna have to go to another channel for the. Uh, this isn't the Cardinals gold. cast. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the card this cast. Is, this is, this isn't the maroon cast. <laughs> that's, that's a different different cast altogether. But yeah, but you know, the, the short turnaround. I think that's what led to the sluggish defensive effort on our end. They tried to stack the box to shorten down the running game, and it was mostly effective. They were able to stop one of our horses. They couldn't stop both of our horses. It's really hard to do considering the different running styles and the different zone outside zone game that we run especially with all the different looks and all of the pre-snap motion it's just really 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 hard to gauge what we're going to do and even a team as you know below average as the cardinals are they were able to stop at least one of our of our two horse we only are we had three horses but raheem mostert really wasn't a factor in this game at all he only had one carry the entire game and it was for a tackle for a loss other than that, it was Brita and Coleman really carrying the load, and Brita was the one who really outshined Coleman in this one. And it was because they were really I, – I got – because Coleman's the first and second down – he gets the first and second down runs most of the time, and the Cardinals were ready for it. And they got they had a lot of tackles for loss that game. We did not have as many. I think we had like five uh, TFLs that game. I know Jimmy Ward had one, DeForest Buckner had two, Greenlaw had another one, D Ford had a tackle for loss, but that was about it. Uh, on the Cardinals' side, they were flying through the gaps like crazy. Buda Baker had two, he led the team in tackles. Uh, Jordan Hicks had one, Joe Walker had one, Rodney Gunter had one, Corey Peters had one, Jonathan Bullard had one, Chandler Jones had one. I mean, they were shooting the gap like crazy on us. So that, that needs to get shored up going into Seattle, but you know, we'll 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 take a deep dive into Seattle because there's a lot to look forward to in that matchup. Some of it we've already hinted at already going forward, but you know, now I think you know. I feel like now we need to take a take a look at a, you know, state of the NFC West. On that note, let's take a look. Yeah, I cannot wait to talk about that because the rivalry is back. It is in full mother effing effect. So Raymond. After the Seahawks squeak by in a tight one against the Bucks, the 49ers are now 8-0. Eight-game win streak. They, they barely won that game. They sure did. They're lucky they've got Russell Wilson. They are. The Seahawks are 7-2, and two-game two win streak. The Rams were on a bye last week. They're 5-3, two-game win streak. And the Cardinals are 3-5, two-game losing streak. Our hold, against division opponents. Our hold is very tight on the NFC West. We've got to win next week. Let's look across the board, though. So the other one-loss team was the Packers. They lose in shocking fashion this past week. 
they're now seven and two. And then down there in the NFC South. Yeah, the the rebirth of the Chargers offense off in the wake of firing their offensive coordinator, Melvin Gordon resurrects himself. Finally. Yeah. Finally, for all you fantasy owners who hold them. Don't you own Melvin Gordon? I do. Yeah, finally, right? Finally. Yeah, exactly. Saints, seven and one, six game win streak, too shy of the 49ers, but they've won seven of eight. Very impressive. That is, in my opinion, that may be the NFC Championship preview is when we face them. And then the Cowboys, no one cares, 5-3 and three at the top of the NFC East. Uh, but Yeah, they're exploitable. They're, they're, Dallas is like good enough to beat the shitty teams, but really struggles against the over 500 teams. That's I, who I, Dallas is I, this season. I am not afraid of them. If, if, if you're a, no. C, a Seahawks, Packers, Saints, or same, 49ers same goes fan. For Green Bay. Green Bay doesn't scare me. And Green Bay just lost to a very mediocre opponent that that just fired their offensive coordinator. They were four they were four and four coming into that game. I mean I mean a five hundred team is no slouch. Just like the Cardinals were three and three and one coming into the Seattle game. That's no slouch. That these are teams that, you know, you you never know what you're gonna get because they're they're inconsistent. Sometimes they're good enough to beat you, sometimes they're good enough to beat themselves, in addition to getting slapped around by their opponent. That's the Oakland Raiders. That's the Chargers. That's the Cardinals. That's the the Jaguars. The Titans. The the Pittsburgh Steelers. Th- those are those are those teams. The, these are those are the, these these teams that can come out and shock you. Cardinals have a little bit of that in them too. Although, you know, they're they're I don't I wouldn't say Cardinals are probably the the least the 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 the, the, the most subpar opponent of that group of five hundred teams that kind of lurk in there. But to me, Green Bay, Green Bay lost to Green Bay losing to the Chargers was a big one because we saw, we saw some, we saw how do you exploit Green Bay? We know that Aaron Rodgers is not, does not have the same mobility that he used to. He is clearly looking a little slower in that. And he, who did he get troubled by in that game all day long, even though on the stat sheet, it only shows one and a half sacks. But when you really break down all of the pressures in his face, Joey Bosa gave him a lot of trouble. And on that Chargers front, Joey Bosa is really the only person that you really have to look out for on that pass rush. When that game comes around the corner, which we'll obviously take a deeper dive into, he's going to have to deal with A, another Bosa again. But he's going to have three other Bosa-like players that are going to be, you know, putting up that pass rush, a similar, a similar potency of pass rush. So it, it's going to, and clearly the the way to stop Green Bay is to get to Aaron Rodgers because the defense is obviously exploitable on the ground game. I mean, isn't that been the way to to get to? Isn't that how you take care of the Packers for the last decade? Yeah. Yeah, because that that's all they've had. Although their defense is much better this season, but they did look ex- they looked better. really exploitable in a running back committee style offense, which is what they they switched to. I know they were they were splitting touches between Austin Eckler and Mar- Melvin Gordon. And then when Melvin Gordon came back, Eckler seemed to take some of the more screen pass game touches, and Melvin Gordon was getting the bulk of the running game touches. In this game, I saw a more even distribution of the running touches. I think they had 30, 30, 32 touches split between the two of them. 
And then Austin Eckler was still getting the passing attempts, but Melvin Gordon's the one who found the end zone twice in that game, and that really kind of exploited Green Bay's chances. And Minnesota, Minnesota's a really above-average team for sure, but they've got some deficiencies on the defensive side, and obviously um, if you need to watch out for Dalvin Cook. So Dalvin Cook, this is similar to Carolina, where Carolina, we really had to focus on Christian McCaffrey because they don't have a running back committee. I know they've got another running back in Minnesota, but he really only comes around in the in the latter quarters. He come he gets some touches in in later downs, but Dalvin Cook is really the workhorse. He gets all of the passing attempts and he gets all of majority of the rushing attempts. So he, that's that's in other words, Minnesota has a one trick pony in their backfield like Carolina does, and if you eliminate that and force their quarterback to challenge you, then that's really kind of where their weakness is um, on that side. New Orleans Saints are the one that does is the one that the one team that does uh, that I think is the best out of that group. So Raymond, let's talk about it. Let's revisit this. We did this several weeks ago. What are the NFC rankings? I believe last time you and I had a disagreement on first place. You said the 49ers. You went, if I remember correctly, you went 49ers, Saints, Packers, Seahawks. What what is your ranking? today now i think it's still san francisco because the numbers and results speak for themselves bay area so i think san francisco in first place and the saints in a strong second and in third i'm still gonna take green bay because and the, the only reason I'm taking Green Bay is because their defense is much better than Seattle. If 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 Seattle had a better defense, I would move them up. But I you know, to me this this group hasn't changed at all. I I feel like they're in the exact same spot the last time we talked about this and I feel like they're in the exact same spot now. You know, Green Bay has scored 226 points and allowed 189. We've scored or the Saints have scored 195 points, and they've allowed 156. Seattle scored 248, and they've allowed 230. So they've only scored 18 more points than their than all of their opponents. That's it. That's the net the net points they've scored. San Francisco, on the other hand, we've scored 235 points. Seattle leads that that the NFC group in points scored. They lead the entire NFC in points scored. A lot, I think, a lot of it had to do with the overtime matchup against Tampa Bay. But, it was but the a point, but, the, and but he that, had to throw that point differential that between the Niners, the, when the Seahawks play the same teams the Niners have played, is undeniable. The point, the point differential yeah. is huge. Our, our our net points is one thirty three. We've scored two hundred thirty five points. We've only allowed one hundred two. That's best in the in the in the entire conference. No one's allowed as much points. As, no one's no one's held opponents to to the amount of points that we have the the next best defense i think in the nfc is yeah it's the saints oh no i'm sorry it's uh, it's the cowboys actually at 142 they've scored 227 i mean dallas got good numbers but they they've got three losses at, attached to those numbers so the the difference is you know when when those points are scored and in what matter you know what manner we've been pretty evenly you know, we've 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 held opponents to 17 points or fewer in six out of the eight games this year, and then it was Pittsburgh and the Cardinals that were able to score 20 or more more points this year. Two, I 
coincidentally, you know, two kind of mediocre teams that were able to do that. And whenever the tough opponents have come in, L.A. Rams, Carolina Panthers, that we and before that it was uh, at the time Cleveland was two and two. You know, all three of those teams got destroyed. Okay, so here's where I'm at. Last time I had New Orleans Saints, 49ers, Packers, Seahawks. We pretty much agreed on everything except the first place, the first place rankings. And so the question on your mind, on everyone's mind tonight, is Yeah, what's what's your list look like now? Who is number one on the Rudy Solisa third? The all Rudy team. The all Rudy three team. So on my all Rudy three power rankings. I have the 49ers as number one. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. I can't deny it anymore. I've tried really hard, and I've only denied it not because I don't believe, because I just don't want to be let down. I've been lied to before. (laughs) I've been lied to before, and I didn't want to be lied to again. But I think it is undeniable. The 49ers are the best team in the NFC. No question. And arguably in the NFL. Because now that Jimmy G's doing that, and if he can start putting up, he doesn't, he's not going to put up four touchdowns, 300 yards every single game. But if he can start getting in that 250 to 300 range, two to three touchdowns passing a game, if he can do that on call, I don't think there's anyone that could beat us. I don't think there's any team that could beat us. And, and, and I'm, of course, I'm not saying the S word or anything, you know, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying, I'm just saying that if Jimmy G can play at that level, if he's going for the 250 to 300 range, one to three touchdowns a game, it is over. I, I, I am not afraid of anybody in this, in this conference. I'm not afraid of anybody in this league. And that includes everybody over there, including Tom Brady and his New England Patriots. I'm not afraid of them. So, and I just think that what we've seen, what they've shown, the consistency, the fact that they've never lost a game, the fact that their team has been able to, we have been able to dominate week in and week out at a level that very few teams have. I love the Saints. I think the Saints are right there neck and neck. You could argue 1A, 1B, but I got to give 1A to the 49ers. They have really shown me the depth that this team has on all phases of the ball, all levels. When the defense couldn't step up, when the running game couldn't get it done, Jimmy G returned to form and he is here and he is back. That is not a fluke. That's not a one-time thing. He is back. And and now that he has Emmanuel Sanders there, two things that didn't exist when we did these uh, power rankings before, I, I just, I think it's a no-brainer. I have 49ers, Saints. You know, the Packers and Seahawks, that's a tough one. They're both... I don't know. There's weeks that I think, I look at the Seahawks and go, man, the Seahawks are better than the Packers. Then there's weeks where I go, hmm, the Packers are better than the Seahawks. I think you could almost look at those guys as 3A and 3B. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, the only reason I give, you know, like I said before, Packers Packers get the edge to me because their their defense is much more competent than Seattle. Seattle's getting by on offense and and pretty much Russell Wilson doing Russell Wilson things. Russell Wilson is having an MVP season this year. And it's going to be him the, or Christian McCaffrey that are probably going yeah, to take it. Yeah, and I and I think uh, to me, I think Russell Russell Wilson is the reason why they're seven and two. 
It's not because of the defense, which is, is a shell of itself. And he has a really good wide receiver core that he's able to get the ball to. But he his ability to get the ball to those guys and to make off-script throws when the line breaks down because that line is not great, he's just been very good at that. And their running game hasn't been there the whole time because Carson's not had all that great of a season. And he's fumbled the ball like, what, three or four times this year? So the running game has not been reliable this year. It's all been on Russell Wilson's back, and he's handled it you know, beautifully, I, I have to admit. So to me, that's – but the fact that they have to rely on, on that guy to get it done, if you take out Russell Wilson, this team cannot function, where in Green Bay, if you – pressure Aaron Rodgers they do have a defense on the other side that can help get them back into that game and they do have a much better running back in Aaron Jones and and Jamal Williams for that matter Jamal Williams has been coming on lately he's been getting more reps so they've been kind of and Matt LaFleur is a former protege of Kyle Shanahan so it's 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 no to me it's no shock that in this in these last few games at Green Bay, the last like two or three, Jamal Williams has started to see more action. He's gotten the, into the end zone. And because now they're starting to, to me, it looks like Green Bay's transitioning into more of a, you know, two back offensive attack approach, similar to our Brita Coleman attack. Although we are Brita Coleman, Mostert, and if, if needed, Jeff Wilson type of committee uh, running scheme. Whereas they are, you know, they've been mostly Aaron Jones all year. And then in garbage time, Jamal Williams, but he's starting to see more touches. So I think going forward, they're seeing that that's perhaps it's more effective. But Matt LaFleur likes what he gets out of Kyle Shannon, which is why you see some similarities in their play in the play designs there. Although still not nobody to me, all of the protégés, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, those guys, none of those guys are able to reproduce what we've seen out of Kyle Shanahan this year. And the numbers are, you know, clearly you know, back that up. hundred percent, hundred percent. So there are our NFC rankings. Now, Raymond, across, across the pond in the American football conference, the garbage, garbage AFC. I think the AFC is just garbage, constantly garbage, but a new team has arisen and has knocked off the only other undefeated team left. Those Baltimore Ravens, six and two. Now, listen, can I just can I just can I just dream build for a second, Raymond, if if I may? And and let's let this stay out of the realm of what a good fan should do. But you know what would be amazing, Raymond? This would just be amazing. I would be okay with this. And then I'm gonna stop all this talk. Because I don't I don't like to think about it so early. But it would be amazing if Baltimore went back to the Super Bowl, and we were there waiting for them. I would want nothing more than to get our revenge against the Baltimore Ravens. I respect that team. I actually don't hate that team. You know, it it it, it sucks that we lost in 2012, but but I've, I've always respected the, the Ravens. Like, I didn't really ha- – I hated them probably that year after, but Raymond, nothing. That would be, out of all the teams, I'd want to face – the Ravens in the Super Bowl to get our rematch. Second after that would be the Patriots, and then third after that would be the Chiefs. But we got a lot of NFC to go through. But real quick, real quick, how would you feel if we had to face the Ravens? I I think I'd feel fine. The only thing that 
troubles me about, or I'd say worries me about the Ravens is their their running game is so unpredictable. It is the most unpredictable running game in the NFL, which is why they are number one in the NFL in rushing. And that's because Jackson goes off script. Sometimes it's by design. They've clearly embraced it. So this, this is funny. So in the Jim Harbaugh team, in the very beginning, Cap was able to do exactly what, what Jackson is doing now. But the difference was the very next year, a couple years, they tried to confine him to the pocket and make him use that rocket arm in the pocket more often than his legs. And it didn't work out. It was like trying to stick a square through a round, uh, a round hole or, or a round hole through a square peg. It just didn't work out. But in this case, Baltimore, you know, perhaps, you know, there's something to be said, the fact that John Harbaugh's the head coach and he saw what his brother did in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick and the failed experiment and said, all right, if I got a guy with this skill set, instead of trying to force him to the, into the pocket, let me just embrace what he's great at, which is similar to what Carolina has done with Cam Newton, only Cam Newton's the most wrecked. It's also what they did with Russell Wilson in the first couple of years at Seattle. Right, but, but Russell Wilson has, Russell Wilson kind of like in the same vein as like a, more of a Steve Young path has, you know, opts to pass more than run. In, even though in the beginning that was kind of his game. His game was running. And then he figured it out. And now he's an elite, an elite passer. You know, I don't know if Jack, but that's because they allowed him to evolve into that, right? They allowed him to evolve into that, which was always my big argument as to why the Kaepernick experiment failed so miserably is because they tried to force that instead of instead of they let had they you know the same year that Cap's 2013 year, you have Russell Wilson has th- three games of rushing for over 100 yards. They just let him do that. And they would not let him do that in that second year. They tried to force him, like you said, square peg into a round hole, and it just didn't work. You know, but yeah. of course he's he's but he evolved into that, like like Steve Young, like you were just about to say. Sorry, I interrupted you. I'm I'm just you know we're just talking. No, no, I know. And yeah, Russell Wilson went the Steve Young path, whereas Cam Newton and Jackson so far in year two are kind of sticking to sticking to the run game. Jackson's actually embraced it even more so this year, probably because the coaching staff is just kind of, they said, no, we're going to do RPO and read option. You know, that's what we're going to do. We're going to RPO, read option, Mark Ingram, you know, for fantasy fans, you know, Mark Ingram's actually been really serviceable this year, but you know, some of those touchdowns get eaten up by Jackson. So if you do have Jackson on your team, it's great. I think he's great for fantasy, but the fact that he, runs the way he does, and he's so elusive in the backfield. We saw him running circles around New England's pass rush this past Sunday night. And there was the one where he he did the double juke against them and was still able to get out of the pocket. I mean, that's insane. I think our group is faster and a little bit younger than New England, so I think when that time comes, I think we'll be better. We'll be able to better handle him. But that's the only thing that concerns me is they they have they have an off script running game. We have a we have a scripted and well designed and efficient running game. But the Baltimore Ravens have a very unscripted running game where it's like no 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 run when you need to. We we have plays where we're gonna you know script you into the running game if we're not giving it to Mark Ingram. But then the other the other half of the time you're just gonna run on instinct. 
you know, you're, you're going to go gazelle when, when you want, whenever you want to. And he's dangerous. He's, he's, he, his running style is more akin to Michael Vick than Colin Ka- Colin Kaepernick was kind of north and south, but he was so fast. Whereas he was so fast. It was a yeah. gazelle. Yeah, whereas Jackson is is has got a lot of slash in him. He's got a ton of slash in him, and it's good slash, really good slash. It's it's Michael Vick esque slash. So we'll see. He's 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 on pace to rush for a thousand yards uh, on the ground, which is insane for a quarterback. But um, we'll we'll see where it goes. Hey, I I got another question for you. How many more games? I'm going to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo here. How many more? Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes. Jimmy Garoppolo. I got a question about him. <laughs> How many more games like this Cardinals game do you think he's got in him this season? Where the running game's going to kind of get shut down to our, you know, as far as our standard of running efficiency goes, and he's going to have to air it out. We've got, we've got what, eight, eight more games left? Right. Uh, what what would you set the over under at? So you're you're the you're 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 the you're the bookie maker. What do you set the over under? I don't know. I don't know how to set the over under any of that stuff. Well, let's say, let's say, let's say three and a half. Three and a half is the over under, right? Is he gonna three? Is he gonna go over three and a half, or is he gonna go under three and a half? That almost would get him, you know. And are we saying for the full season, including playoffs, or are we just saying the regular season? No, 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 just the regular season. The last eight games. The last eight games. Okay. Well, let's say let's 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 set it at four and a half. Let's go right down the middle. I'm gonna say let's say let's say let's say fifty percent of the games. Right? Is he gonna go? I would say he has it at least. Hmm. Of the last eight games, I say he does it three more times. What do you? Yeah, I was thinking four. So, so we both think under four and a half. I say three, you say four. We don't think he goes over four and a half. He just doesn't have to in this offense for the most part. No, that's that's a, that, based on based on the schedule. I think he's going to have to do it probably about four times. You're you're. I would imagine you're looking at that. You're looking at the possibly the Rams game. You're looking at that Packers game. You're looking at the Saints game. Those are three, and then maybe one of these Seahawks games, or or the Ravens yeah, game. I, I think. I think Packers and Saints, he's going to have to air it out again, you know, in, in this, you know, a la Rodgers and Drew Brees. He's going to have to go toe-to-toe with those two guys. And one of these Seahawks games, he's going to have to do it either this Sunday, although I have a feeling this Sunday might be more balanced. Maybe the, the last Sunday, the December 29th game. The Rams, I don't know. The Rams, to me, the, the Rams... We we were we were very balanced against the Rams, and I I'm not sure this Rams team is I to me it seems like they're going to run out of gas. They they've already run out of gas in this first half of the season, and they've had to make give up first round draft picks just to stay just to keep some gas in the tank. So I don't think he airs it out in that game. The Falcons game could be one of those, not necessarily because the the, the running game is 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 not working, but perhaps because that defense is so bad that we can take some more risky throws. But to me, it's probably the one that seems more likely is Ravens, Packers, Saints, and one of the Seahawks games where he's going to have to air it out. I think these four games, especially Packers and Saints, because they're both good. They both defend the run well. 
I love it. I love it. Okay, so I think those are the questions we are now posing to the Goldcast Nation. Number one, number, oh, last question for you, and then we got to run. <laughs> Raymond. Okay. Raymond, here's the question. After the Patriots have now lost their first game, who is the number one team in the NFL? I think without a doubt it's the San Francisco 49ers. I think it's I don't think it's even a debate. <laughs> I know Deion I know when when we talk about the NFC people like Deion Sanders like he still votes for the Saints. I think it's the Niners over the Saints. I heard someone he say is, the Packers. Is, I couldn't even believe that. I was like, are you even watching no, football? No, are you watching not football? Even that. No, no. You're just pulling names out Seattle, of Seattle. Yeah, Seattle and New Orleans are ba- are basically tied for third in the NFC. That's they're not only their records for Seattle, New this, Orleans. No, you mean you know, Seattle and Green Bay. Sorry, um, Seattle and Green Bay. Yeah, Seattle and Green Bay are basically tied for third in NFC, and the Niners are number one in the NFC. But as far as the NFL, I think it's the Niners. Uh, what what does impress me about New England is the fact that they've played one more game than we have, and they're on a bye this week, so we're actually we're finally going to catch up in, in games played. They've played one more game than us and they've still allowed less points than we have although to be fair they've played way more scrub teams than we have way more scrub teams their their division with the exception of buffalo is horrible miami and the jets are a combined two and 14 okay uh in uh, in the, the nfc west our worst team is arizona at three five and one and then the rams are next at five and three so that's a combined eight and eight and one record compared to two and 14. So there, there's no competition for New England. So some of those numbers, I think, are a little inflated. We've faced more competition on our end. We faced, at, at the time of, of playing these teams, we've faced three 500 teams, and we've beaten all three of them. Two of them we blew out, blew the living shit out of them. Um, so uh, to, to me, the better team is San Francisco. I, I had another guy. I had another guy who was talking. Uh, I was watching some fantasy uh, program, and he said that Niners fans give him the most shit whenever he criticizes teams for performance or lack of performance. And he said that he thinks that the the Bears defense last year was not as good, is 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 better than the Niners defense this year. And through 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 eight games, we've we've allowed less points than the bears of that team their record was also five and three at the break ours is eight and no at the break they allowed 800 more passing yards than our defense did this year this year we're like a little over 1100 the bears are like 1800 the only difference was we've allowed like 823 rushing yards and the bears defense last year allowed like 600 680 uh, at that time not a huge gap but that's the only gap. And then we had more sacks. I think we have 30 sacks right now. The Bears last year had 24. We They had 14 picks to our 10, so they did beat us in that category. But the numbers were by far and away in, in the Niners' corner. So I'm not sure what that guy. Maybe he was thinking of the whole year. But anyways, I just love proving people wrong when they make stupid comments. And <laughs> and and so this, this, this defense is – is still doing some amazing things this year. I think statistically, New England seems to be grabbing the majority of those headlines because there, there are some historic things they're doing on the turnover end of the game and points allowed game. But at the same time, they 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 have horrible competition in that division. The, the worst teams in the NFL all reside with the exception of the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos who've managed to salvage some dignity in these past few weeks. You have Cincinnati, New York, and Miami who are, again... Are combined two and twenty or eight and twenty. I'm sorry, 
uh, two and twenty one. So you're 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 going to put up some good numbers against teams that are that are you know pure trash. Or and Cleveland's two and six out of that group. So you know four and what four and twenty eight. Uh, it's or twenty seven. It's it's a joke over there. So 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 I, that's why I give it to the Niners just because we face stiffer competition. And our, our, our schedule, I'm not sure what New England's schedule is going forward, but we certainly have a, a really tough schedule. We've got, with the exception of the Cardinals, who come up the week after next, everyone we play is a team that's going to be, that's going to be in the playoff hunt. Raymond, this is the playoff dress rehearsal, to bring it full circle. It begins now. I can't wait. Let's go. Let's go. Raymond, any final thoughts? That was a great episode. Any final thoughts? This is going to be a hell of a ride, and I look forward to dissecting the Seattle Niners game this Sunday, this week. Oh, yeah. We're going to do that episode. That episode will be dropping tomorrow, Wednesday night. We will be recording that tomorrow, and it'll be Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. You will hear our preview just a little bit early again this week. We wanted to get it out to you early. Uh, mainly to make up for our lateness this week. All I have to say, Raymond, is go Niners. This is what a fun-ass season. I cannot believe it. It goes really fast when you're having fun. It does. It goes really it does. fast. It's it's yeah. tough. It's tough. It's tough being a winner week in and week out. <laughs> it's a quality problem. We will bring Candlestick Will back on pretty soon. It's a must. We need to talk Warriors. It's a, it's a rough world out there. Some people say the Warriors had to lay down on the slab, you know, they had to, uh, you know, it's like when, in order for Thanos to get the Infinity Stone, he had to give something up he really loved. And I think San Francisco, we had to look at Golden State and they jumped off that cliff and they fell down into the darkness so that we could get the 49ers Infinity Stone. I think, unfortunately, this is what has occurred. But this is also what it's like in San Francisco, Goldcast Nation. You all know, we go Giants, we go Warriors, now we're back to the Niners again. It's just, winning is tough. Winning is tough, and 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 this city is sometimes it seems like it's it can only it can only fit one titan at a time. Yeah, it's 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 like tag team wrestling, you know. The Warriors are like, hey, do you mind taking taking this year for us? We're uh, kind of hurting over here. Although the the uh, rookie draftee Eric Pascal had a double double, thirty six points, thirteen rebounds. If he can become a Draymond that can score, look out, look out, Warriors. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. This is, is the Gold Cast.